Listen, when Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike grab mics, it's real sports, real talk. On the field or on the court. If it happened in New York, it's covered like a blanket, dog. Interviews are ill, simply up close and personal. That erupt, Lloyd's batting first, set the tone. Mike see the right the stadium with a guard and on the phone. Here we go, Giants of Jets, Yankees of Mets, Knicks of Nets. This is only an intro, the show is next. Listeners, today is Monday, February 12th, 2018, and I would like to welcome you to this week's Lloyd A. Thompson and the Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, the show airs every Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and of course at LloydAThompson.com. So be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can hear previous episodes. And you won't miss a damn thing. And as always, guys, you can always send us questions that you like for me and Mad Mike to air and answer on the show through Lloyd at partmyfresh.com or directly to the website. The show is also on social media, guys. Lloyd A. Thompson, one word on Instagram. And Lloyd A. Thompson, one word on Twitter. So be sure to hit that follow button. Guys, exciting show for you today. We're going to break down the NBA trades that were made. The Cleveland Cavaliers blew up half their roster. The Knicks suffered a devastating injury from Chris Porzingis, who tore his ACL. And now they become tankers more so than winners. We're going to touch up on that. We're going to touch up on some other New York things and some other sports-related things as well. So as always, guys, let's buckle up, sit back and relax. And start spreading the news. Hey, yo, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports with Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike. Let's go. What's going on, listeners? As always, we got to find out where the Mad Mike is calling from. Yo, Mad Mike, where you calling from today, baby? I'll tell you where I'm not calling from, and I'm not calling from Philadelphia, where apparently they like to eat horse, you know what, off the ground. Listen, man, not only eat horse off the ground, these dudes is climbing up on uh, awnings and, and crashing awnings down, man. Them dudes just went, they were going buck wild out in Philly, man. But, you know, it seemed like the city was okay with all that nonsense. It seemed like the cops was okay with all that nonsense. They even had some cops joining in in the celebration. But if you're a cop, what? I mean, what can you do? You know, at some point, you got no choice but to join in. But, you know, hey, man, it is what it is. You know, I guess that's what happened. So hopefully we'll get to have one of those up in the great uh, city of New York sometime soon, man, Mike. Yeah, I, I said, I'll tell you this, man. When, when the Jets win the Super Bowl, when and if, you're going to see it go down a lot worse than that. Them, the Eagles fans, I'm telling you. Yeah, man. So, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, things that went down in sports, we normally tackle New York sports. We're going to take it um, just to the sports scene a little bit. The NBA tread deadline has come and go, Matt Mike, and there was quite a few moves that was done. Uh, the biggest set of moves were done by the Cleveland Cavaliers, who just TNT'd half their roster Got rid of some guys, added some guys, so we're going to touch up on that. But we're just going to break down some of the trades that was done 
um, in the NBA. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets picked up Dante Cunningham from the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, I actually think this is a good move for the Nets. How they use Dante Cunningham, uh, you know, is yet to be seen. Um, he kind of fell out of the rotation with the Pelicans, but I think this is a good move for Brooklyn and the Pelicans get Rashad Vaughn from the um, Brooklyn Nets. So I think this is actually a good move for the Nets uh, moving forward, not only for this year, you know, but for next year as well, Matt, Mike. Yeah, I like it. I mean, um, Dante Cunningham is, is a good wing defender. Uh, I'm not sure how he fits into that offense just yet, but being that Kenny Atkinson likes to push the ball and play fast, I'm sure that he'll find a few lanes and uh, get some easy buckets. Yeah, so the Hawks and Wizards also had a trade. Uh, the Hawks got Sheldon Mack in cast considerations, and the Wizards got a protected second-round pick. Now, Sheldon Mack is a guard who people seem to be not great, but he's not terrible, as, you know, on the other side of the fence, and, you know, he's just consistent. He plays consistent basketball. He was also a player that the Knicks were looking at getting at one point, you know, but to me, I kind of see this as almost a push, you know, so, you know, it would be a good look. Uh, for the Hawks to get Sheldon Mack, Matt, Mike. Dude, you know who Sheldon Mack reminds me of? He actually reminds me of a young Jarrett Jack. Just a guy who doesn't do anything great. You know, he's not going to do anything that jumps off the paper. But he's just a good, solid point guard. You know what I mean? Just like, he'll do enough of everything um, to, to not to, to not cost you games. Now, another move that was done, Matt Mike, which, I mean, I don't even know who the hell these two guys are, and I'm pretty sure you don't know who they are. Uh, the Sacramento Kings and the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors got guard Malachi Richardson, and the Sacramento Kings got Bruno Caboclo. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to touch up on that because I'll be reaching at this point. Do you know who the hell either we, either one of those guys are? Next trade, please. <laughs> so the Memphis Grizzlies and the Detroit Pistons pull off the trade. Uh, the Grizzlies got forward Bryce Johnson, a 2022 second-round pick, and the Pistons got forward James Enos. And also the Pistons got Blake Griffin uh, from the Detroit Pistons who sent Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, and, you know, in the pick. Which I think that trade with the Blake Griffin trade before we move on to the James Ennis deal, that was actually a good deal. I know we have spoken on this, but that was actually a good deal for both teams. I watched the game the other day where the Clippers actually faced the Detroit Pistons and they beat them. It seems like when Blake Griffin got the ball, Matt Mike, he forced the offense. Whereas the guys that were in the Clippers, you know, they moved the ball around, passed the ball around. There was a lot more team play with the newly acquired Clippers and overall Clippers team as a whole as compared to, you know, the Detroit Pistons. So I can see where that's going. Um, you know, James Ennis is a serviceable uh, NBA player. And the same with Bryce Johnson, you know, but the 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 second round picks are becoming a thing now, Matt Mike. You know, teams are looking to get second round picks. You know, obviously you want a first round pick, but teams are being, you know, okay with second round picks, it seems like, Matt Mike. Yeah, I mean, the thing about second round picks is, yeah, um, so there's two things. One, that you still have the, you know, pick and stash 
uh, option with, with some of these foreign guys, right? So, and most of those guys get taken in the second round. But the other reason that the second round pick is it, it has become such a big trade commodity is because so many Europeans are going in the first round. I think we had this conversation last year. Um, it, it's just because so many guys are going in in the uh, in in the first round based on potential. You know, domestically we get a, a, a much longer look at, at at these college players, and it's easier to find second round gems. Uh, while everyone is is overlooking them, you know, you, you let's just say, and I'm just gonna throw a team out there. Let's just say, uh, you know, Michigan State right now has two first round um, potentials, but you also have a lot of tape because you're looking at those first round potentials. There's a lot of tape on these other guys that you know, if they're gonna fall into the second round, uh, you've done your homework. You might not have initially, you know, done it. You might not have turned on the tape looking at one guy. But by looking at those first round picks, you are now being forced to do, uh, you know, your, your homework on other guys. So uh, I can I can I get it, man. I, I really do. You 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 know, this Draymond Green was found for a reason, and and that's why you start trading for more second round picks. People like Draymond Green. So two two other deals that were made that I'm going to run off just to keep the listeners informed on all the moves that were made by the team. The Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat. Uh, the Hawks got forward Okwa White from Miami Heat, and the Heat got Luke uh, Luke Babbitt from the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, then the Blazers and the Bulls had a trade where the Bulls got forward Noah Vonley and cast considerations, and the Blazers got rights to Milovan Rakovic. So the next deal that was made, man, Mike, which was a guy that the Knicks was looking at, was that the Phoenix Suns got guard Alfred Prayton Peyton, I'm sorry, from the Orlando Magic, and the Magic got a 2018 second-round pick. And the reason why the Knicks traded um, Doug McDermott, uh, you know, it was a three-team deal. Uh, Doug McDermott, I mean, Doug McDermott went to, uh, help me out here, Matt, Mike. Dallas. 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 And uh, George Hill, right? Was it George, George Hill? No, 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 it wasn't George, George Hill. George Hill was in, went to Cleveland. He, he went to Cleveland. I'm, I'm trying to draw up Devin Harris. That's who it was. Devin Harris went to Denver, and Emmanuel Moutier went to the Knicks, and the Knicks sent the second-round pick over to Denver, but the Knicks were actually looking at getting Alfred Payton, and they were trying to include Joakim Noah in the deal, um, but that kind of fell through as... Uh, Orlando, it fell through because Orlando asked for Frank Nelikina in an Alfred Payton deal. And if you're the Knicks, why would you give up uh, Frank Nelikina in an Alfred Payton deal when he's a free agent after this year? Yeah, and, and then, well, I think Bismack Biombo, they also wanted to give the Knicks his contract in return. So I guess the Knicks weren't willing to get rid of um, uh, Joakim Noah that that quickly or that fast, and I'm not I'm not for nothing, man. Mike Emmanuel uh, Moutier, he played a hell of a game yesterday, and in, um, in Indiana, and you know I'm really I'm like wow, you know I was impressed by this young man, and you know the Knicks have him on the contract, he's still on the rookie contract for next year as well. So you know this is you know the Knicks felt it was a deal that made sense to them that they have another player that's not coming, you know that's not costing a lot of money. And they'll get to get another look at him, you know, and let's face it, the Knicks have enough point guards moving forward to the point where they really don't need to draft a point guard with their first pick 
in this upcoming draft. So, you know, the deal made sense at first when I thought about it. I didn't think I would, I didn't like the deal and it didn't make sense to me because I was like, why the Knicks adding another point guard when they already have four of them or three of them on the roster? Now you got four. But, you know, moving forward, you know, I, I can see, you know, I can see how it makes a little bit of sense, you know, I, so. I, I, I can't knock him. Um, I, I thought that this is exactly the kind of trade that, that I've been um, praising, heaping praise on the Nets for. The Knicks uh, identified a lottery pick from, from two years ago that, you know, it was a, he, he was he was a lottery pick in the same draft as D'Angelo Russell, KP, and, and Jaleel Okafor. And the Knicks target him. He was on he was on the outs with with um, Denver. And this is remember this is also a guy that they did a lot of scouting and they did a lot of homework. Remember that at one point Emmanuel Moutier thought that he was going to be drafted by the New York Knicks when we took KP. So I think it's a great move. Uh, it's also a great move because uh, if you watched last night's game against the Pacers. You see when Frank, and this is actually, it's funny because this is exactly what people were saying, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Frank, when he has the ball, he, he, he seems a little bit more reluctant to try to score. When he has the ball, he looks like he's, he's trying to create. His, his first instinct is to create, to give up him, his, his own shots, to make sure other people are involved in the offense. When he's playing off the ball, you can see that his jump shot is a little more fluid. Um, you saw he, he knocked down a couple long long jumpers. He knocked down a couple three-pointers. So this might be something that we see more often of. Uh, you know, Moutier running the point and creating and Frank kind of waiting off the ball to, to, you know, maybe take a couple more jump shots. So we'll see. I like I like the move, man. Um, like you said, I, I, I obviously Alfred Payton, you know, uh, they liked him. But at the same time, He's a free agent after this year. You don't want to make a trade, especially giving up Frank and forcing yourself to give this guy a big contract. You know, he's going to be able to hold you hostage. He just traded the, the, the former number eight overall draft pick from, from this past this past draft for this guy. And all of a sudden, he's going to say, hey, you know what? I want, uh, I don't know, throw a number out there, Lloyd. That sounds retarded. I want three years and, and $55 million, and we got to pay it. Yeah, well, here's the thing. It would, What does it say about Frank Nittalakina that teams are requesting him in trades and that the Knicks are reluctant to give him up. So that has to say something about the potential that other teams see him in him and that the Knicks see in him as well, Matt Mike. I agree. Uh, and, and, and um, you know, I'm going to say it again. It's, it's, uh, do we have the right coach to develop him? You know, it, I, I did hear that. I heard that about, uh, you know, I heard that about Hernan Gomez earlier. You know, in uh, last week, you know, they traded him for two first round, two second round picks, and, and you know, some people are questioning: is it is it the player? Yeah, he has his, his limitations, but you have to. You, every player comes into the NBA with, with limitations. It's it's you know, not everybody. LeBron James is special. The special ones come in, you know, ready to ball on both sides of the court. And do we have the right coach? I know that people are tired of hearing me say it, but do we have the right coach to develop those players? I mean, we just traded away a first-team all-rookie from a year ago for two second-round picks, yeah. all because what? Lloyd, he can't play defense? I'm definitely Lloyd. not happy with that, and I was going to piggyback off of that and also bring that up, Matt Mike, because 
Hernan Gomez, he never said he wanted out of New York. He just said he wasn't happy with his role and pretty much wanted more playing time. So here you go. Like you said, you trade somebody with that kind of talent. He's only, what, 23 years old or something like that? And you trade him away, Matt Mike. You get two second-round picks. And then after they trade him away, Jeff Hornacek comes out and say, oh, I'm going to start playing young players. You just traded away a young player. Yeah, I mean, here's the other thing. And, 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 and you know, maybe I look too far into it, but you, you correct me if I'm wrong. The reason that, that Jeff Hornacek... Uh, was reluctant to commit to Frank Nilakina this year um, and develop him was because even though Frank is already fully developed defensively, um, offensively he was holding the team back, right? So Jeff Hornacek is telling you right there, I, I'm, I'm favoring offense over defense, right? So you tell me why he refused to play a superior offensive player like Hernan Gomez and Sten says Hernan Gomez defense is bad i can't play him because his defense is bad which one is it it sounds to me like the coach has a philosophy issue his philosophical uh you know basketball whatever he believes in is off base because you can't play one guy because he's bad on offense and claim you know that you're not looking for the defense and then the other guy who stinks on defense now all of a sudden you're looking for his offense it doesn't make sense it's got to be one or the other right mike d'antoni isn't isn't shy about saying i don't care about defense i want guys that can run and and, and pass and shoot and score the ball well jeff Hornsack, which one is it you either want to play defense or you want to play offense and that's why this team doesn't consistently score points and it's why they can't consistently defend because they have a coach that can't consistently get a message across there it is ding 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 Wow, was that perfectly said. Well, let's move on, man, Mike. The Miami, the Miami, no, 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 that, 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 you know, that's, that's perfect. You know, the, the Miami Heat got back Dwayne Wade as, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, as we said, they was cleaning shop. So they got D-Wade back and the Cavaliers got a protected 2024 second round pick. And, and that was just simply, you know, respecting Dwayne Wade and giving him his wish and sending him back to Miami. Uh, you know, to say that you could get Dwayne Wade for a 2024 second round pick is absurd. But let's face it, Dwayne Wade is on the downside of his career right now. Um, you know, they tried to make it work with him going back and playing with LeBron. And that was just a project that didn't work out. Yeah, you know what? And, and you'll never hear me say much about this man because I, I don't really care for him myself. But uh, big ups to... You know, Dan Gilbert for that move. Dan Gilbert went on the record and said that he would never do any business with the Miami Heat. Any, you know, he would never make any any basketball moves with the Miami Heat after he, he basically accused uh, Pat Riley of, of collusion and stealing LeBron James. And he went out of his way to make sure that that he didn't they didn't waive uh, Dwayne Wade. They went out of their way to make sure they traded him. To, to ensure that he ended up back with Miami. Not that I think anybody would have picked him up, but you never know. If they put him on waivers and someone claims him, he doesn't end up with Miami. So big ups to Dan Gilbert for doing the right thing. Now the Cavaliers were the busiest team of all the teams in the NBA on before the trade deadline. They also made it uh, a three-team deal with the Utah Jazz and the Sacramento Kings. The Cleveland Cavaliers got guard Rodney Hood. They got guard George Hill and the rights to Arturis Gudatis. 
The Utah Jazz got forward Jay Crowder, guard Derrick Rose, and a second-round swap rights with the Cleveland in 2024, and the Sacramento Kings forward Joe Johnson, guard Iman Shumpert, and Miami's 2020 second-round pick, and a rights to Demetrios Argovanis and cast considerations, and Joe Johnson was cut. And I believe I forgot who Joe jo Joe Johnson has been rumored to sign. Yeah, with the Houston Rockets. So he already uh, hooked up with them. Oh, he already signed with the Houston Rockets. Okay, yes. then the Cavaliers turned around and traded Isaiah Thomas to Los Angeles Lakers, along with Shannon Fry and Cleveland's protected 2018 first round pick. And the Cavaliers got guard Jordan Clarkson and forward Larry Nance Jr. And with everybody saying that this is a good deal for the Cavs because the Cavs are a lot more athletic and, you know, they got guys that are more so team players and not ball stoppers like Isaiah Thomas is. Um, um, yeah, you wanted to add something? No, no, no. I'll let you finish because I, I do want to sit down and dissect this uh, whole Cavs situation. Um before we move on. Okay. Yeah, no, we'll we'll get back to the cat to the whole casting in general. I just wanted to run through the deals real quick. So the Detroit Pistons traded for guard Jameer Nelson and the Hornets got sent a Willie Reed and Rice to swap second round picks. I don't understand why the Detroit Pistons keep on trading for point guards, man. They got Ish Smith, they got Langston Galloway, who's been on our show quite a bit, and they got some other guys, and they just keep on making trades. Uh, I think Reggie Jackson. I think Reggie Jackson uh, got injured, and he was looking for a little Stan Van Gundy, looking for a little veteran leadership. And remember that he is very familiar with Jameer Nelson from their, all those years they uh, had each other in Orlando. Orlando. Okay. So, um, I mean, I I, I I I understand what you're saying. Um, he has younger guys on on hand that he probably could have given the team to, and you know, uh, probably could have. Uh, at this point in their careers, I, I'd probably bank on, on uh, Ish and, and Langston over uh, Jameer Nelson. But, you know, it's just a coach. Uh, it's just a comfort level. You know, this is why we have this conversation off air. This is why I, I, I don't like when, when people just go give contracts. Like, he goes and he signs Langston Galloway um, with no intentions of ever really giving him or Ish Smith uh, an opportunity. His, his first, uh, his, his first reaction is, uh, Reggie Jackson's hurt. I'm going to go and try to land, you know, one of my guys around the league. And then your, you know, your guy ends up sitting on the bench, never really getting a chance to show what he can do. And this is how, how to me in the NBA, they keep career stagnant. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, getting off topic, but another example, you know, you get Austin Rivers, who's about to be out of the NBA because he can't, he's he just not growing. And all of a sudden, here comes his dad to save the day instead of, you know, and in, in acquiring him and then giving him a contract. And instead of letting other, you know, guards who deserve the opportunity. And that's what I feel like Stan Van Gundy just did to his young guards on his squad. Yeah, so the, the, the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, was slanging some things as the Bucks got center Tyler Zeller and the Nets got uh, guard with Sean Vaughn and a protected 2018 second-round pick. Look at all these damn uh, second-round picks being thrown around like cash in a strip club, Matt Mike. Gold, man. It's They're amazing, gold, I'm man. telling you. So telling the, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Bulls struck a deal where the Pelicans got forward Nik Nikolai Miritic and a 2018 second-round pick 
And the Bulls got sent to Omar Isaac, guard Tony Allen, and uh, Jamil Nelson, who ended up with the uh, the Detroit Pistons, a protected 2018 first-round pick, and a right to exchange second-round picks in 2021. So we went over the Clippers, Pistons deal with Blake Griffin. You know, so those were the deals that were done. During the NBA trade line, there were, there were so many teams, Matt Mike, like the top teams, like the Boston Celtics didn't make any deals. The Golden State Warriors didn't make any deals. The Houston Rockets didn't make any deals. And not that they needed to make any deals, you know, but, you know, those teams stood pat. And that just means that the GM and the organization was comfortable with what they had moving forward. Yeah, I mean, um, people forget uh, it's if Gordon Hayward, who's ahead of schedule, can get back, I mean, that's a blockbuster trade right there for 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 you know that's a that's like a deadline trade for the for the Celtics if this guy can get back. Well, why why go out and make any moves right now? They they got one of the deepest deepest squads, and and they're not even fully healthy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But before we go to a commercial break, man, Mike, you know, I know we had uh, discussed this Chris Porzingis thing and him tearing his ACL. And that's such a, you know, that's tough luck uh, for the young man. Uh, you know, he was looking, you know, he was moving forward to uh, going to his first All-Star game. Um, you know, and it's a big loss for the Knicks. And that potentially changed the Knicks from being a team that was thinking about making the playoffs to a team that's pretty much, you know, are now tankers. And even for this team to tank, Mad Mike, and to get a lottery pick, they would have to go, they would have to win three games the rest of the way for the remainder of the season and have other teams, you know, <laughs> other teams can win eight games and still the Knicks still wouldn't be in a lottery pick. So, you know, we had always discussed on previous shows about the Knicks being a team that would pick around 15th to 20th. Which to me, you know, that team they need to be picking higher. You know, well, right now they're picking tenth, man. Right now they're picking tenth, and I'm telling you, I I, I I hope they don't stay there. Um, but yo, I'm telling you right now, this kid Miles Bridges, yo, he's gonna be. If they're picking ninth or tenth, he's gonna fall to them. He'll be there. They better not pass him up. This kid is Dennis Smith in in the small forward position. Just, just for you, who absolutely loves Dennis Smith, I'm telling you right now, if they if they pass him up at nine or ten, so let the, let the listeners done. know where he, what college he's going to. Yeah, he's Michigan State, brother. He'll jump out the gym. He'll step outside. He he can do it all. He can do it all, and he plays. He's small forward, um, which means that he would allow them to get, you know. Tim Hardaway back to the two guard on the wing and and you know hopefully the the best thing in the world that that happened is this this KP injury and not because he's hurt but it, it it stops the Knicks from doing something stupid and buying instead of selling even though they didn't really sell because they didn't they didn't capitalize off anybody that we were really hoping they would but you know it was a blessing in disguise because it also guarantees that they're not going to be able to go for it next year. You know, you can't rush KP back under any circumstance. And if that means that he can't play until, you know, mid-March, maybe April, and at that point, me and you are going to be having the same conversation next year, why the hell are we wasting our time playing him for 15 games? The season's over. Don't try to win anything and try to get another top five pick next draft. 
you have an opportunity right now because of this injury to to get two really really good college players and as long as we're developing Frank and and Moutier and Trey Burke who by the way we are going to talk about why he's not getting any minutes all of a sudden uh you know what I'm saying so yo just pay attention this kid Bridges he he, he's Dennis Smith in a 6'8 body boy I have to catch. I have so I have to watch a Michigan State game, and, and uh, I have to get back on my college grind. I haven't been on my college grind this year, like I was last year. So I get I got to get back on the college grind. But the Yo, Knicks, three three names that you just dude, these are the three names that you got to pay attention to if you're a Knicks fan: Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter, and, and Bridges. Boy, I'm telling now, you, right let the then listeners and there. know where all these three young men go. Or what Bagley goes. In. Bagley goes to Duke. Uh, Porter, I want to say, I'm skipping my mind right now, Purdue. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you got Bridges out in Michigan State. Those are the three boys that, that you, we, we got to keep our eyes on for this draft. Look, and you Assuming know, the Knicks can drop, drop some, some more games. The young man that continues to steal the show is the point guard from the, uh, from, uh, is he, was he at Oklahoma, right? Trey Young, Trey Young, you want nothing to do with that boy, man. I'm with Look, you on that. Since, I'm with you on that. Ever since they started playing conference games, ever since the competition has turned up, these guys were, were number four in the country just two weeks ago, Lloyd, and they're, they're, they might even fall out of the top 25 as of as of uh, tomorrow's rankings. Yeah, so... He tries to do it on his own, man. You can see his team give up on him when, when he goes on that, you know, hero ball situation. So, Wilson, I mean, he's a player that I want to stay away from as well, but with the Knicks having all these guards, it's safe to say that hopefully they won't do something stupid and pick another point guard. So the Knicks, they played the game uh, over the weekend, man. It was one of the most embarrassing efforts that I've ever seen. They played against the Toronto Raptors, and at one point they was losing by 33 points. And it, it's, it's not something that is unexpected to me, Mad Mike, because I know this team, you know, is not that good. But I was still seething in anger watching that game. And I almost threw something through my television set um, when I watched it. But then they played a better effort against the Indiana Pacers yesterday. And newcomer Emmanuel Moulde, he put up a double-double in his Knicks debut, Mad Mike. But the club suffered a six-straight loss. And they lost 121-113 to to the Indiana Pacers. But in 29 minutes off the bench... And mind you, he didn't even practice. Moutier finished with 14 points and 10 assists. He shot 5 from 14 after making his first three buckets and blew an orange. So as promised, he played alongside rookie Frank Nidalekina, who finished with 12 points and one assist. He shot 3 of 7, which is productive in 30 minutes. Now the Knicks played a sixes today, you know, so they're going to have a tough game against the Philadelphia 76ers. But the Knicks, again, were in a defensive mode, giving up 67 first-half points, Matt, Mike. But 68. They still... Don't cheat the listeners. Don't cheat them. 68. <laughs> but, they stayed with cheat the... them. but even with that being said, they stayed with the paces for the half, and they kept making runs the second half. Though the Knicks fell behind by 20, they got within six with, with one minute to go in the game. And that shows something because usually the Knicks are not a team that shows fight and shows grit down the stretch. Now, Tim Hardaway Jr., he had a, he's been in a slump lately, but, you know, he came out of it slightly. You know, he finished with 17 points and three assists, but he's been having some big turnovers, Mad Mike. 
You know, and he coughed up the ball on the foul line, and Frank, uh, Victor Oladipo turned into a fast break dunk in the third quarter. So the Knicks, again, they're not playing defensive ball. They, they played against a team who's not a great rebounding team. And this team had an astounding amount of rebounds against the Knicks. And Clyde Fraser kept on harping on how many rebounds that this team had against the Knicks. There were so many open three-pointers that this team took. The, the rotation of players weren't excellent. I do think it hurt the Knicks that they had a small lineup. They had Hardaway Jr., Emmanuel Moutier and Frank Nittalikino on the court. So they had three guards on the court and one power forward, you know, um, Beasley was on the court and it was either with Kylo Quinn or Ennis Cantor. So that was kind of small and that kind of hurt the Knicks. Um, but, you know, if this is the lineup that the Knicks are going to go with, this is the lineup that the Knicks are going to go with, you know. So, you know, I, I think with Frank Nittalikino and Emmanuel Moutier being on the court, you know, I just would like Frank Nittalikina to be a lot more aggressive, and he was um, in this game yesterday. So, you know, we'll see what happens. As long as, you know, like you said, we've always critiqued Jeff Hornacek. As long as he sticks to a consistent rotation of playing guys, which he already isn't because Trey Burke didn't play that much when they said that Trey Burke was going to play. You know, so to telling fans one thing and Listen. doing something different, Mad Mike, I'm just sick of it, man. Trey, Trey Burke? Has twenty minutes combined in the last two games. I, I don't. I don't understand what he did wrong. You know, just a week ago he was instant offense, and uh, Hornacek had to find ways to get him in the game. And now it's like every single chance he gets, he bails on. Like you said, he 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 tells us one thing, and he constantly does another. I'll I'll tell you this. You said you know this guy Lou Cornette, right? So we're we're gonna play him nonstop because he he fits that stretch center that that uh, Hornacek loves so much. Well, here's the thing: when you pull the big man out and you constantly play him along the three point line like they did with with, with Luke Cornette, then all of a sudden the Knicks like like they did against Toronto and the Knicks like they did against Indiana, they get destroyed on the boards. Why? Because your center is is there, there's no size in there anymore, and we can say whatever we want about Kylo Quinn. Yeah, he he brings toughness. But I'll tell you one thing that I I saw in the last few games. You see a guy who's who's either getting tired, or you see a guy who's just not willing to work, knowing he's going to opt out because he's not, or it's because they're like you just said they're undersized and he's not going to go bang. Um, he's getting outworked on the boards right now. He's getting out. I, I watched Valachunas just absolutely embarrass him. I mean, to the point where where Galchunas would just give him a bump and, and and clear 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 the space, you know, the box. It's like I, I'm not gonna put it on him. Kalaquin has played amazing, but I did tell you this. I, I did say this. I've said it all year. If, if 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 trying to build his value was gonna come at the expense of losing Hernan Gomez, you better have capitalized on that value. So now, to me, the Knicks have have they dropped the ball twice. They ended up trading Hernan Gomez, so you so you lost out on the talent that needed to develop the a really solid talent that we saw first team all rookie as we touched on, and you didn't trade Kylo Quinn. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Not only that, man, we still stuck with Lance Thomas. You yeah, know, you still got and, Courtney and- Lee. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, so you you haven't you you haven't developed any of the youth. So we, that's the one thing we thought. We said, hey, you know what? They're going to be competitive. Um, they're going to build the value on, on some of these players. 
And then when it comes time to move them, they're going to move them. They're going to get pieces for them. And then they're going to start investing and developing the young guys. And I, I just don't get it. Like, like Hernan Gomez got traded and Kylo Quinn didn't. And Kylo Quinn will opt out of his contract this offseason. And the Knicks will be stuck with nobody. My point exactly. That was it worth it? Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, you, you tell me. I, I don't, and I think Scott Perry's done a good job, but what message is he sending? Well, what message, I, I, this is just, I don't understand. And, 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 and it's not just me. All the fans I talk to, they don't understand what's going on either. We, all we know is that the KP injury has forced this team to go in a different direction. But we still don't know what that direction is because that, that, a different direction should have been like, you know what? People want Courtney Lee, you can have him. People want Kylo Quinn, you can have him. Listen, a second round pick for Kylo Quinn, take it. Exactly. I, take exactly. it. That's you would want to you would you would be more inclined to take a second round pick for Kylo Quinn and Courtney Lee. And when you when I thought you could probably get a late round first round pick for Billy Hearn and Gomez. That was so backwards, man, Mike. Yeah, but you know what? For I I I heard Mike Green do an interview earlier this uh, uh earlier uh, actually, the same day as the uh, the Hernan Gomez trade, and he he did make me feel a little better because what he said was we can't look at it like they didn't get fair value for for Hernan Gomez. Yes, we think that Hernan Gomez should have got a, a, a first round pick in a trade after getting first team all rookie last year. But here's the thing, Jeff Hornacek didn't cultivate that talent. He didn't capitalize on that first team, you know, all rookie you know, award for, for Hernan Gomez, he actually dropped the ball and allowed his value to dip. But the Knicks did get, you know, they used a second-round pick on Hernan Gomez in a trade with, with Philadelphia, and they managed to get two second-round picks. So you can't look at, at, at uh, Scott Perry like he didn't do well. He actually got more for Hernan Gomez than what the Knicks invested in him. So you got to look at the trade like a win. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, you know, the Knicks obviously, you know, you know they're going to be competitive, but they, you know, they just, you know, they were competitive against the Pacers. They just couldn't finish out, and when they play against the, the top tier teams in the NBA, they're probably going to get their behinds hands handed to them uh, during those games. But we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to break down this Cleveland Cavaliers trade. That was done, and if this benefits them or if it hurts them, so me and the man Mike are gonna chime in with that when we come back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my name is A.O. Aaron Omar Baker, and I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show. Listen, for starters, I wanna say thank you for tuning in, thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing the show. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, tune in, just head over to Lloyd A. Thompson. Com. All the information is there, and if you want to send a question to the guys, they'll answer it on a future show. You can do so at the website or directly by email. It's Lloyd at PardonMyFresh.com. All right, that's it. Real quick, real simple. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Just before the break, I have brought up the Cleveland Cavaliers and trade that they made and blown up their roster and if it made sense for Cleveland to do it, if it made them better, if it made them potentially a repeat to go back to the NBA Finals. And the Cavaliers' multi-stage roster detonation 
made for a post-pounding NBA tread deadline. LeBron James received a brand new supporting cast, Mad Mike. Dwayne Wade is embarking on a reunion tour with the Heat. Derrick Rose was kicked to the curb. Isaiah Thomas joined the Lakers with Lonzo Ball to form one of the league's oddest couples. And, you know, like I mentioned before, contenders like the Warriors, the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Celtics, they all still pat, you know, come trade deadline. And, you know, the Cavaliers of late, Mad Mike, they've looked utterly broken and as the Warriors threat and increasingly vulnerable to the Eastern Conference competition, you know, they've dominated for the past three postseasons, constructing a quality five-man lineup that can function defensively, uh, defensively and has been a problem all season. And Kevin Love's recent injury, who I think that was a big loss for the Cavs, it only ramped up the inconsistency and chaos. Isaiah Thomas, let's face it, he was struggling in his recent offensive role and struggling with the team and consistently played pitiful on defense. Jay Crowder was an unexpected disappointment and Derrick Rose was an expected disappointment. <laughs> you know, and Cleveland's other pieces often look too old, too slow, or too disinterested to provide sufficient help for LeBron James. And when this trade was made uh, with the Boston Celtics, Mad Mike, I was on record as saying that I thought this, this deal was beneficial for the Cleveland Cavaliers because I like Jay Crowder, who was a defensive, you know, uh, as a defensive player, defensive-minded, defensive strong player. You know, you put him with Iman Shumpert. But, you know, on a on a on the flip side, I've also said that sometimes you can have too much talent on a team and that talent just can't function and play together. And that was the case with the Cleveland Cavaliers, man, Mike. No, no. Cleveland was trying to build the warrior situation. That's all they were trying to do, and you can't do it. You, you got to understand, and this is what Cleveland didn't understand, everybody in, in Golden State does something very well, something specific. You, 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 Clay Thompson knows, I'm in here to be an elite three-point shooter and shut down defender. Curry knows his job. Draymond knows he's, he's an antagonist, an instigator. KD is in there to be uber-efficient. No one in Cleveland knew their roles. Not only that, but, and it's something that, that I heard, uh, you know, Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas, their, their beef was not only with, 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 you know, the thing is when you come into Cleveland, everybody goes into Cleveland and they understand I'm nobody now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm Jay Crowder, but I'm not the Jay Crowder I used to be. I now defer to LeBron James. I do whatever LeBron James says. And the boy, the, you know, those guys that came from Boston, they had a problem with that. They had a problem with their coach. They saw how Brad Stevens coached team basketball. They they saw that when Brad Brad Stevens meant business. There was not one guy, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, wasn't one guy in that locker room in Boston that was going to upstage that coach. In Cleveland, they knew whatever this coach says is coming from LeBron James. And when this coach actually tries to be himself, LeBron James puts him back in his place. You know, as, as, as players, it's hard, especially co players coming into this situation, it's hard to adapt to that and accept that, especially when you know that, that not to be the way things should go. Now, when you play with the best player on the planet, I, I, you know, I hear everyone say, you just shut your mouth and, and get in line. But in the end of the day, 
LeBron James is always trying to get his hands on more talent, on better players. So why should those guys continue to come in and defer and change their games to fit him? Chris Bosh had to do it. Dwayne Wade had to do it in Miami. We can go down the line. Kevin Love had to do it. That's why Kyrie wanted out. They had to purge this roster because everybody was, was it was just done. They were either weren't they didn't like Isaiah Thomas. Why? Because Isaiah Thomas saw through the charade. He thought he saw through the scam. Listen, it came out last week, right? LeBron James did not want Dan Gilbert to trade Kyrie Irving, no matter how unhappy Kyrie was. And Dan Gilbert respects Kyrie so much, and because Dan Gilbert gets used by LeBron James and and bullied um, in this whole public perception, what does Dan Gilbert do? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Kyrie whatever he wants to the point where Dan Gilbert and LeBron's relationship has has crumbled. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing that you know as mentioned before in the show they added George Hill, they added Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. While trading away again, Thomas, Wade, Crowder, Rose, Shumpert, Channing Fry in a first-round pick. Undoubtedly has short-term bent, but Cleveland retained this top chip, which is Brooklyn's first-round pick, which they got from the Celtics in the Kyrie Irving deal. But it dealt away multiple expiring contracts, took on long-term money for both Hill and Clarkson, and replaced name recognition, Mad Mike, and star power with role players, who addressed Cleveland's need for defensive competence and energy, Matt Mike. Now, there's a strong debate to be had over the merits of Cleveland's trades from an organization perspective. Taking Clarkson open two max slots for the Lakers, who are now in better position to chase LeBron James in free agency. Trading a first-round pick in a Clarkson-Nance deal feels like an overpay. Taking on Hill, a solid but a spectacular point guard with injury issues. Nearly $20 million in each of the next two seasons should cause serious heartburn. And acquiring Hood comes with the clear risk that he can prove to be a rental once he hits restricted free agency this summer, Mad Mike. But those are the concerns for the Cleveland Cavaliers, not LeBron James, at least at the moment. Because James' biggest concern was being able to win the East again and reasonably compete with the Golden State Warriors in a potential finals matchup. And these moves should help both fronts. Hill is a vast upgrade as a ball-on defender over Cleveland's pre-existing backcourt personnel, and he's most comfortable playing off the ball on offense. And Rodney Hood is a multi-positional wing who should help in matchups against interchangeable lineups fielded by the Celtics and Warriors, and Clarkson is capable second-unit shot creator, representing, you know, an immediate upgrade over Rose and the struggling Thomas. Larry Nance Jr. brings some pop hustle and he has the ability to finish with the best of them to front line that could use it so you know the lineups comprise of hill hood james chris uh kevin love tristan thompson or hill hood jr smith james and kevin love are better equipped for the playoffs than any five-man group that cleveland could have filled it before the deadline matt mike no you're right you're right and and Cleveland, regardless if if LeBron, they they can't be worried about opening up money for LA to be able to chase LeBron. In the end of the day, if LeBron leaves them, they they can't just blow everything up. They still have Tristan Thompson under you know a ridiculous contract. They still have Kevin Love under ridiculous contract. They have money tied up, so it's not like they're they're ever going to be able to fully restart until that money is off the books. They did great getting young 
talent like Jordan Clarkson and Ronnie Hood and and Larry Nance on top of uh you know, keeping that first round pick. What if that first round pick turns out to be, let's say, Trey Young? I'm just throwing a name out there like we just discussed. All of a sudden, Cleveland is not necessarily a lost cause even without LeBron James. So they had to make these trades. Well, well I think they're in better position to, to, to compete now. Um, George Hill is a defensive minded um point guard. He also has the right mentality to fit LeBron James, right? He came in, he already said, uh, we're all Robins to LeBron's Batman. We all have to be Robins to LeBron's Batman. So basically saying everybody needs to get in line. Right then and there, we're checking egos at the door. No more Isaiah Thomas. Um, so it looks like everybody's buying into it. Obviously, you know, some of these other guys came from teams that had no shot at, at the playoffs or winning a championship. So you actually just did them a favor, too. So, of course, they're going to come in and get in line. Uh, I mean, George, you know, Hill just went from being, you know, what was it, in Sacramento he signed and, and not being motivated and being on a losing team. to now he's going to have to really step up grind it out because he's he's in a in a championship he's in the title chase now so um i think i think for, for i think cleveland did well to give lebron one last shot uh dan gilbert you know not putting himself to be the bad guy <laughs> i also think he's he's done a great job in setting himself up for the future he's he's done a better job than he did last time lebron was in his walk here i'll say that now, the funny thing is, even with him doing a better job, Matt Mike, you know, like I mentioned before, there's a good chance that LeBron is going to walk out the door, you know, when as as he, uh, you know, as a free agent, uh, when the season comes to end. So let's see if these moves that were made were enough to keep um, LeBron in Cleveland. I know there was talks where he said, I'm not interested in a buyout. You know, he's going to finish the season here. You know, he's always said the right things, but that, you know, saying the right things and then doing it are two different things. You Look, know, in my opinion, he's never done the right thing. In my opinion, um, if you really, really go analyze his, his, the moves he's made, uh, he's always said the right thing and he's always done the exact opposite. Whether it was negotiating, um, you know, the opt out after three years and refusing to commit for five years. Uh, you know, all of these things. If, if you ask me, he, even even his unceremonious departure from Miami, like it's never gone the right way. Uh, his actions have never have never been that of, you know, the best player in the world. Like he, he's always left somebody screwed over. Um, people just always seem unhappy when, you know, with the way he handles his business. You know, in these situations, but I will say he's he, he's one hell of a player, and who the hell wouldn't? Yeah, I, I mean, who, who the, the the team losing him is always going to be upset, right? And the team that's getting him is always going to say, "I don't really care how it happened." So, you know, whatever. I mean, and with him on the team, you know, even though, uh, you know, people say that the, the Cleveland Cavaliers are better, uh, with all the trades that were made. Anything can happen when you have LeBron James because he. one thing I'll say about him is he seems to get the most out of his teammates, you know, to a certain extent. And, you know, when you have him on the court, you know, anything can happen. So Yo, let me ask you a question. Let me let me ask because being that we're having this 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 potential L.A. discussion, do you think he tells him trade Lonzo Ball? Or, or it's, either, it's either me or Lonzo. What do you think the Lakers do? Because you, you, Jordan Clarkson was asked that question yesterday um, about uh, about Levar Ball, 
Um, and, and he, he seemed relieved that he was no longer uh, a part of that mess. So do you, do you think LeBron is going there and saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, I'm coming here and, and we got to deal with this guy? To or be honest get with rid you, of him? I don't even think LeBron wants to deal with that circus. I can see, you know, maybe, you know, there was reports that he might go to Golden State. I don't know how the hell Golden State will pull nah, that they off. shot that down. They all, they, listen, they, this is, that's all that speculation stuff, right? Like, you, you, you know it's a lie, and you're going to post that story anyway. Draymond does not like LeBron James. Are they trading Draymond to bring in LeBron James? Not only that, but do you think that Steph Curry wasn't reading all those times that LeBron James was taking shots at him when he won the MVP? Those, those things are not being forgotten. Get out of here, man. Like, I don't even know why somebody would write that, just to see how many hits they get. Well, it would make sense for him to go to the Lakers. And, you know, maybe Magic Johnson sits down with him and say, look, I need you guys to coincide with each other. But one thing is evident, Isaiah Thomas won't be back in the Lakers uniform. I can tell you that much. And he could have, I'm not going to say he's run himself out of the league, but his attitude uh, that he's displayed in Cleveland and when he got traded to Lakers, there were reports that he was like, well, if I'm not starting, I want to talk about being bought out on my contract. You know, um, you know, there were reports that he said that. So, you know, that's not a good way to start off your new tenure with a new team coming and making demands, you know, when you haven't even established yourself just yet. Listen, there's a reason why Isaiah Thomas is playing for what is 15? Um he went, we're talking about he went from Sacramento uh, as a star to Phoenix to the Celtics to the Cavs to the Lakers. And likelihood he'll sign with another team in the offseason. There's a reason why he's playing for 16. You know who he reminds me of? Monta Ellis. Remember where yeah, everyone's like, yo, this saying, guy man. can be a top guard and, and he could never stay on a team. Why? see where Monte Ellis is, right? I don't even think he's in a damn league right now. Yeah, that's 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 my point. Yeah. You, you know, at some point, the, Isaiah Thomas gotta gotta you know don't don't threaten people, don't 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 you know question the coach and then threaten the front office that that you've been traded too many times already. You you need to stay in Cleveland and like and then get traded and threaten Magic Johnson with starting. Like, so what are you doing, dude? It, it's it's in the end of the day. You got to look at your own deficiencies, right? There's a reason why. You know, you got in there, you try to rip that that freaking clubhouse apart to the point where they had to trade him. Did you see the game against Minnesota? LeBron James wouldn't pass Isaiah Thomas the ball. <laughs> I see him get knocked down a few times and nobody helped him up. You no, know, so they he, wanted him out of there. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely was. You know, his teammates definitely alienated him. And you're and you're gonna come out now and and do it. Listen. He's never going to get the money he's looking for. He's looking for $100 million plus. He's not going to get it. Because being a good teammate, being good in the locker room is just as important to people nowadays. Uh, you know what? I'll take it back. The Knicks are going to do it. The Knicks are going to do it. They ain't got no money to do it. Yeah, then they'll find a way. Because you know what? <laughs> they always find a way to make the wrong move. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, boy. But speaking of the New York Knicks, I hate to go back to this. But before we take a couple of uh, questions from the listeners, Mad Mike, I just want to harp on uh, losing Kristaps Porzingis to season-ending ACL injury was brutal as it gets for a fan base that's accustomed to nonstop brutality. Now, Porzingis is 7'3". The question is, will he be able to fully recover his athleticism and continue his glorious track? 
You know, how much will he lose? You know, how much was this lost year stifle the developments that he needs to make in filling out his game, Matt Mike? You know, will New York with so many other, you know, with the Knicks with so many, with so little other talent and no leverage be forced to max him out regardless of the injury? Is there any point of watching Nick games over the next three months, Matt Mike? You know, those were just some of the difficult questions that was bouncing around a Big Apple when this injury happened. You know, listen, a clear conclusion has come throughout all this, and we both agree that the Knicks must tank as hard and as shamelessly and as humanly as possible this season. Lots of losing was going to be inevitable, but total losing would be ideal. Now, again, you know, we both like Emmanuel Moutier, you know, He's the ideal tank commander. He's 21 years old, you know, and he he's averaging 12.7 uh, points, you know, which is not great, but he's young. He's on a cheap. He has a rookie contract. He's theoretically hungry for a change of scenery after losing his starting job in Denver, and he's capable of occasionally a highlight reel, you know, dunking a ball or reverse layup, but most importantly, through his teams, he's consistently performed poorly when he's on the court. Sometimes hope has arrived in unexpected forms. And this is one of those times, you know, for draft-minded Nick fans. So hopefully they can get the most out of him. Hopefully a change of scenery, which sometimes is the best look for young talent to get the most out of them. He seems excited to be here. You know, he said to Scott Perry that this is the place that I wanted to be. Obviously he understood why the Knicks took Chris Porzingis. But he understand, you know, he understood that. But this is a place that you want to be. And when a player wants to be someplace, that makes everything so much easier on the player and on the organization, Matt Mike. Yeah, no, it, it's and once again, like I said, they they made the right move. This is this is a move that had to be made. Um, not every day you get a guy that that wanted to be here, a guy that thought he was going to be here, and a guy that most scouts um, and experts thought the Knicks. We're going to take. It's funny how a couple years in the league, uh, you know, I I, I don't know how he was coached. Um, We we don't know what they invested in his development. But I will tell you this. um, A former Nick was one of the lead scouts in Denver that that, uh, led to the drafting of Emmanuel Moutier, one, one Jared Jeffries. And he said that the knock on this kid is that he can't shoot. And that's just not true. He said that he actually can shoot the ball. The problem is he can't finish his drives um, by the basket. He's never learned how to do that. Um, and he said everything is, is, is up and over. Nothing is ever, you know, he never goes underneath. Um, there's just things that haven't been developed. And some of that has come because his playing time has been, you know, so erratic in Denver. So he seems to think that once this guy... Uh, learns how to finish at the rim, whether that's dunking the basketball, switching hands, up and unders, reverses, whatever it is. Um, once he gets his layup field goal percentage up, then we're going to see a real star. Now, he might never develop this, but if we do, he happens to think that this kid is going to be, you know, he's going to be a world talent, uh, which is something that the Knicks thought when they were when, when they were scouting him. That's the one thing that you have to applaud them on. Um, these guys, if these scouts got it right with KP and their second choice was, was Moutier or third choice, whatever it was, uh, you got to believe that, that whatever they saw in KP, they see in this kid too. And once again, Lloyd, the question is, 
you know, the same way Jared Jeffries kind of questioned, did we have the right coaches in place to coach Moutier? We have to ask that same question in New York. I'm going to say hell no. But then I'm going to tell you, what the hell are you waiting for? He's not the only young guy that you need to develop, develop on this roster. So what are you waiting for? I agree. This is this is valuable time that the Knicks are wasting and seeing what they have moving forward. I mean, at this point, like you said, you know, what are you trying to play for to win? Trey Burke played eight minutes on Sunday. He played eight minutes on Sunday. And I don't understand what he did wrong, but he only played eight minutes on Sunday. He looked good. He looked good. So it wasn't like he got on the court and played poorly. He looked good. So, you know, look, if the, if the Knicks front office is always chiming in with how things should be done, well, they need to chime in this time. They need to tell Jeff Hornacek that you need to play these guys. Well, you know what? And here's something that I thought about. But, you know, being that no one in the Knicks front office will ever confirm this for us, no matter who you ask, maybe Scott Perry and Steve Mills are keeping their distance with the on-court product as far as how they're coached, how they're played, the rotations, because of the mess that occurred last year. Maybe they're being more hands-off this year purposely because, remember, that's one of the, the, the issues in the locker room. One of the things they said about Jeff Hornacek was he lost the team because everybody knew that Phil was pulling the strings and, and he was only doing Phil's job. Um, so maybe they are letting you know Hornacek do whatever he wants and then when he gets fired in the offseason, they can say, hey, man, listen, we, we let you run things exactly how you wanted to, and this is what we observed. And one of the things we observed was you were inconsistent with your rotations and the players. Man, Mike, I just have a feeling, you know, we sell these things and they're spot on in our opinions and with what you and with what you see and with what's going on, that Jeff Hornacek is going to be the coach of the New York Knicks next year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. With that being said, let's take a couple questions before we close the show out, Mad Mike. So the first question comes from one of our most faithful listeners, Diamond Biscuits, and Diamond Biscuits is up in Alaska, and he wants to know our opinions on his Cleveland Cavaliers deal and if that makes Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers a top team in the Eastern Conference prompt to go to the NBA Finals. Um, you could go first, Matt, Mike. After what they did to Boston um, yesterday, I'd be hard-pressed to say that this doesn't make them better. And um, I, I'm, I'll say that they're clearly a top two team in the East, maybe top one. I don't know, man. I just think that, that LeBron James has worn people out. And I, I asked the question, how, how long does it take before he, he wears these guys out? And my opinion is, I think the road to the NBA Finals is going to be tougher this year for the Cleveland, for the Cleveland Cavaliers as it was the last two years. But I can literally see them getting back to the NBA Finals because of LeBron James. And again, you know, I think LeBron James is the greatest player on the planet right now. And as long as you have him on the court, you always have the opportunity to, you know, and it's the playoffs. So anything can happen in the playoffs. So I don't think they're going to squeak past the Celtics. Uh, I can see them beating the Toronto Raptors because they somehow always manage to choke. At some point. So I can see them getting past the Raptors. But the Celtics to me is the one team that stands in the way. 
of Cleveland getting to the NBA Finals, if they could somehow get past those guys, I can easily see it happening. So, you know, I'm going to say that they have a better chance now getting rid of the cancer that they had, you know, more so, you know, now than they did before. So, let's see what happens. The next question, Mad Mike, comes from Kim, and she's from Money Money Earning Mount Vernon, and she wants to ask us, with this injury to Kristaps Porzingis, should the Knicks keep him out next season so he can continue to rehab and not force his comeback, possibly risking him injuring himself again? I'll go first, man, Mike. You know, right now, at this point, he's expected to come back, they say, in February. Now, we're already in February, and you're talking about, you know, the season is more than halfway over. Does it really make sense to bring Kristaps Porzingis onto the court if the Knicks are not in a position where they're doing good? So if that's the case, I say you just sit him out, rest him, little continuous rehab, give him a full season, and have him come back strong and healthy. Like Mad Mike pointed out, you get two solid picks. And you have them come back the following season, and hopefully the Knicks and, and they'll have some cap space by that particular point in time, and hopefully they can get a lure, a top free agent to come to New York, and you know you can start off fresh. So I say, depending on how the Knicks are doing next season, is depending on if you should bring them back. And I don't expect big things from the Knicks not this year. I don't expect big things for the Knicks without KP next year. So I say you sit him out because I don't think the Knicks are being in a position where it makes sense to bring him back. Um, I agree with you, and I'll go even further and say that if I'm the Knicks this off season, I don't do anything to build uh, anybody that can, uh, a team that can remotely get close enough to sniff the playoffs and that will eliminate all all you know need want pressure uh from the fan base from the media to even allow kp back on the court i mean uh, send him to summer league uh, if that's the case you know i know that that's for rookies but um you know it's also meant like the Arizona Fall League and baseball. You know, you send you send injured guys there just to get their feet wet, get some shots under him. Um, I, I wouldn't rush him back. I wouldn't rush him back at all. So the next question comes from Didi from Florida. And Didi wants to know, who do we have coming out of Western Conference? The Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors? I'll let you tackle this one first, Mad Mike. I'm not even going to get into into any details. As long as the Golden State Warriors are healthy, um, I, uh, they're going to make it. It's not even a question. Uh, I mean, come on, man. They're, they're playing bored, and we want to make it look like people pose a, a, a challenge to them. They're bored, and that's all there is to it. The Houston, the Houston Rockets are the Golden State Warriors. A lesser Golden State. They they don't do anything as well as Golden State does. It's just, believe me, whatever, man. So Golden I'm going to say the one team, I have Golden State coming out of the Western Conference and going to the NBA Finals again if they stay healthy. But I'm going to say the one team that I think has the greatest chance of dethroning them is the Houston Rockets. But somehow the Houston Rockets always manage to crap the bed come playoff time. And not show up. So, I mean, you know, you have CP, you have Chris Paul there. You know, so hopefully his leadership might make the difference 
and toppling over the Golden State Warriors. But I do think the Golden State Warriors have too much for Houston to handle. But if one team I think has a chance of dethroning them, I do believe it's the Houston Rockets. But I'm going to give the slight edge to the Golden State Warriors. So I'm going to say the Golden State Warriors as well. And the last question comes from The Rock from San Diego, California. And The Rock wants to know, if the Knicks get a top 10 pick, who should the Knicks draft position-wise? So he didn't, he didn't, you know, he wasn't, he didn't say specifically. He said, who should the Knicks draft position-wise? So I'll go first. The Knicks have a crap load of point guards right now. They just used a first-round pick on a point guard last year. So I don't know if it makes sense to, you know, to, to draft a point guard this year in a draft where I think, you know, I don't think the draft, is point guard, you know, is there's not a lot of studs coming out. I think the Knicks need help in the front court. I think the Knicks can use a small forward. I think the Knicks can use a power forward. You know, so I would, you know, you brought up the young man from Michigan State who I need to check out. You brought up Ian Bagley, uh, the third who I've seen from Duke. You know, he's another person that intrigues me. So I think the Knicks should go along the lines of a small forward or power forward. I'll say small forward first, Matt Mike. And then power forward second because you have KP, who in theory plays the power forward. So I'll say small forward first and then power forward second, Mad Mike. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to say that they're going to go, they, they need to go small forward, move uh, Tim Hardaway back to the two guard. Uh, if you go small forward, it probably allows you to trade Courtney Lee for something finally. Um, I, like you said, I think Cantor opts out, but I think that they love him. I think he stays, so you have your center of the future um, on a roster already. KP comes back healthy. That's your power forward. Um, I think that small forward is where they don't really have uh, anything promising at the moment. I think that's where they go. And I'm telling you right now, uh, the kid out of Michigan State, Bridges, that's, that's, he's the way to go. Now, he's, I just wanna, he's a guy you got. I just want to throw this out to you, Matt Mike, before we close out the show. So let's, let's, let me just throw out this scenario to you, okay? So going into the next season, what if the Knicks had a starting lineup of Moutier at the point guard spot, Tim Hardaway Jr. at the, at the shooting guard spot, your boy Bridges at the small forward, and let's say Kristaps Porzingis, even though he won't be there, at the four, and Ennis Cantor at the five. What do you think about that? It's a it's a good start, but here's the problem. And and I know we're going off topic, but um, you you did mention KP's contract situation. Is KP's contract situation going to hinder us from being able to really compete? Because remember, if you if you want to look at teams like OKC, um, that did it with Russell Westbrook, they did it in draft, right? But those guys all came into their own before their deal. So they were good before the contracts. You don't normally find teams that got to pay their star that they drafted before they're good. So it's going to be very interesting because they already invested money in Tim Hardaway. But that, that starting five is a start. Now we got to continue to make smart moves. Well, that, that you know, that's a crapshoot. So it's no, we're not saying that that's going to happen. <laughs> we just threw out that scenario. It would be nice if it happens. It sounds good. Again, I have to check this young man out. So let's see how that goes down. But listeners, that's going to bring us to the conclusion of this show. Me and Matt Mike want to thank you guys for sending us questions. 
And as promised, we aired them and answered them. We have to continue to do this more moving forward. And we promise that we'll do this more moving forward. Me and a Mad Mike want to give a special birthday shout out to our producer, Ayo Omar Baker. We want to wish you a happy birthday, brother. Thank you for continuing to keep this show going. And we want to thank you, the listeners, for keeping this show going. Because without you guys, there's no us. I want to thank the Mad Mike. Happy Valentine's Day as I shot the Valentine's Day. Shot out a little bit early last week. But happy Valentine's Day to all the women out there. And guys, please have a safe and blessed week. And me and a Mad Mike will see you in seven days. And we'll have our... Baseball guru Joe Rivera, columnist from the Sporting News, chiming in and calling in so we can discuss spring training that starts up next week. So I'm excited about that. I know Mad Mike is excited about that. So we'll have Joe come in and talk about some moves that the Yankees might make, the Mets might make. So exciting show next week for you guys. So with that being said, again, be safe, God bless, and me and the Mad Mike will see you in seven days. Hey, yo, let's roll, baby. And that's a wrap for today's show. Shouts to everybody for checking it out. Make sure you subscribe. Brand new episodes drop every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And as always, check out LloydAThompson.com. Peace.